0: That's SleepingDogsMovie.com slash Wondery.
1: Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world with better player development than the Los Angeles Dodgers. I'm Jake Mintz, that's Jordan Schusterman, and we get better every day
2: yeah uh, people are tuning into our podcast and they're like, what happened here? this I thought this podcast was not very good <laughs> and something happened and now it's good, all thanks to our magical podcast development. Yes, Jake, it's time to preview the National League West but before we get to our three and a half hours of Colorado Rockies chat, we do want to remind people about the two things we have, uh, two exciting things we've announced. Over the last few weeks, the first being which we have merch podswag.com slash baseball baby. You can find water bottles and mugs and hats and sweatshirts and t-shirts and all of the like, as Jake is so wonderfully modeling right now. Uh yeah. One word of warning about the hats.
1: They don't work as soup bowls. Hmm. Have you so you've you've but you've checked, right? I can't confirm or deny that, but if I've heard that if you pour minestrone into the hats, it will seep through the tiny holes in the top. So don't do that. All right. There's no overt uh, specific detailed warning about not using the baseball barbecast merch as a suit hats as a soup bowl. Mm -hmm. But don't do it. But uh, we do again do have water bottles, do have
2: mugs. So if you want to drink uh, soup out of a, of, out of a lovely barbecast mug, you can do that. Podswag.com slash baseball. The other uh, exciting piece of news is that we will be doing a live podcast event on April 8th in Baltimore at Section 771, formerly known as Sliders. It'll be before the Yankees and Orioles game. Uh, very excited about this. This is going to be a good time. And yeah, we hope you guys come out. If you are anywhere on the eastern seaboard and can hop on an Amtrak, you have no excuse for not attending
1: this live podcast event. At the very least, uh, Jordan's three uh, immediate D.C. area family members will be there, I believe, mm-hmm. as will mine and our friend Andrea from high school. So we got uh, that's seven people. All right. So that's
2: and then you you can be the eighth. You know, you have that opportunity to join this special live podcast event uh, very excited about that. So very cool to see the response for that. And yeah, we'll see. Uh, April eighth both feels like tomorrow and a long time from now. Think about how many like teams will be like one in six at that point, you know, yeah. and the people will be losing
1: their mind. It'll be great. Aaron Boone will be the the John Boy guys will be advocating for Aaron Boone to be fired in the middle of their interview with him.
2: <laughs> oh, it'll be a good time. All right. Jake, it's time to get to the NL West. Before we start with the Rockies, I know we've done with some of the divisions, but NL West like it does always kind of end up being last. We went into these season previews thinking, "Oh, maybe we won't do the NL West last." And here we are, the day before the season and we're doing it last. What well, what is that about? Is our East Coast bias just impossible to overcome?
1: Man, it's all the way over there.
2: Yeah, it is. They're way way over there. Yeah, I you know, part of me feels like it's like I'm up. I'm up watching the Mariners. So it's not like I have any issue with watching West Coast games. Uh, but, you know, because certainly I think it also has been part of it that the Dodgers were just – they were doing their own – like they were just running the show the whole time. Not that they're not fun to watch. But I don't know. I think we're heading towards a, a new era of NLS baseball, except for one team who we'll start with, and that is the Colorado Rockies, who are projected – to miraculously win 67 games. Uh, I'll take the, the under the right away. The Fangraphs playoff odds. They won 68 a year ago. Uh, yes, 94 losses a year ago. They finished in last place. I would say, honestly, probably the least relevant team in baseball uh, a year ago. Does Didn't stop them from being top 10 in attendance because Coors Field is freaking sweet. Um, but this baseball team was not very good. And
1: they will head into 2023 trying to repeat
2: that. That Repeat irrelevant
1: champs. Um, Yes. (laughs) Raise the banner, baby.
2: That is the Rockies. What did they do this winter? Some pretty weird stuff, as always. Um, Jose Iglesias is no longer there. Chad Cool, who was like quietly kind of decent. I know the ERA doesn't look great, but like he had some stretches where like, oh, Chad Cool's figuring it out. And Carlos Estevez. Out the door. He actually was very good. He's gone. Alex Colomay also gone as well. How will they replace him? But in the door comes a bizarre collection of veterans, including Mike Moustakis, Brad Hand, and most recently, Jerks and Profar. They also traded for Nolan Jones and immediately sent him to AAA, even though he would make plenty of sense to be playing in the big leagues. Uh, Pierce Johnson also added another Colorado boy. I believe they can't resist uh, bringing those guys home. Uh, Brent Suter as well. I think that was a, a, an early winter trade. So that's kind of a funky addition there. Uh, that is what they did over the winter. Jake, what the hell is this baseball team? Tell me who's going to be playing for them.
1: Uh, I am i don't know, but I'm just going to read off of fan graphs. Elias Diaz uh, is behind the plate. First base is CJ Crone, The only player on their team last year with an above average OPS plus Second base, Ryan McMahon. Shortstop, Ezekiel Tovar, who is a promising little shortstop. Will he change the direction of the franchise? No, but he is not bad. Ella Harris Montero, the big prize from the Nolan Arenado trade at third base, with an outfield of Jerickson Profar, Chris Bryant is on this team, everybody, and Jonathan Daza in center with Charlie Blackman continuing his slide down the defensive spectrum all the way to designated hitter. The rotation is Herman Marquez, Kyle Freeland, Jose Ureña, who is one of my least favorite pitchers to watch baseball. The other prize of the Arenado deal, Austin Gomber, and a gentleman named Ryan Feltner. The bullpen, Daniel Bard, Pierce Johnson, Denelson Lament. More like Denelson Lament, Brad Hand, and Justin Lawrence. Let's get one thing out of the way. Every move the Rockies make feels like when you take an English sentence and you Google translate it into Swedish, And then you translate it back into English. Everything is just slightly off with this team. They are isolationist America in the 1930s. They do fewer trades than any other team in baseball. They are not just behind the eight ball, okay? They're behind the whole pool table. That's the most important thing to know about the Colorado Rockies and why we are going to spend very little time on them. They're like going to, um, what is it, like old-time Gettysburg Uh, Oh, you mean historic Williamsburg. Historic (laughs) Williamsburg. It's like going to one of those Civil War towns where nothing's changed, right? And everyone's wearing the old timey outfits and they're walking around. No one gets fired. No one gets fired. Everyone's just churning butter, pretending like, you know, Ulysses S. Grant is still president. But also a nice uh, comparison because people
2: still go. People still go check it out.
1: (laughs) It could still be a good time. Coors Field Um. is a beer bar with a baseball field next to it. But let's be nice, people, for a quick second and talk about the team. Chris Bryant, who is one of the most relevant, important, and famous ball players at the beginning half of his career, signed with this team last year, played, I believe, uh, no more than 40 games, was actually pretty better than you realize numbers-wise in those 40 games. He did not even hit a home run in Coors Field, which is hilarious to think about. Jordan, is Chris Bryant in his pre-retirement uh, phase already, or is he actually going to hit at all? you think. Stay I happy. mean, I think he is going
2: to hit if he's playing, um, but those both of those things can be true. Of course, 6 years remaining on his massive contract he signed with the Rockies. At the same time when he signed that and everyone was like, "Oh, what's Chris Bryant thinking? Doesn't he know that, you know, the Rockies are a mess?" It's like, "Dude, Chris Bryant's already achieved everything there is to achieve. They gave him way more than anyone else was going to. Denver's sweet and he gets the chill and just rake in Colorado and hit 40 doubles a year until he can't play anymore. Like that seems like a pretty easy life. Like I don't blame him. Like it's it, again, these these guys they, they they are allowed to prioritize whatever they want and that's totally fine. At the same time as far as being a relevant baseball player, yeah. I don't I don't really know what that's really going to look like. I think he's just as long as he's healthy, just going to be kind of a fantasy baseball star for the next little while.
1: We had a friend of the show who is a big league baseball player. Text our group chat with asking for dark horse uh, MVP picks, and he offered up Chris Bryant, and I believe Jordan just responded, "Ha." Well, now uh, let's just take one last question here because I don't really have anything else to say about this team. What makes their twenty twenty three season not a complete disaster?
2: Yeah, what this is maybe related to our barometer Bonds and Ezekiel Tovar, but. Which we should talk about, but I, I for this season, I don't I'm not totally sure. I mean, they do have a decent farm even behind Tovar. So maybe some of those guys, like they have some really interesting hitters that could come up and start to kind of form a core that is decent. But as always, it doesn't matter because the eternal question in Colorado will be how are we going to solve the pitching? I was just talking to someone about this yesterday. Like, I wish we had someone, like, I, I hope we live to see a smart front office with competent ownership give this a try. Like, I really would like to see it attempted. Um, Because as it stands now, we're not getting a, a true, honest to God, interesting, progressive effort of being successful in Colorado. Um, And so that's, it just feels like... I, w- I hope we get to see that someday. As for this season, I have no idea. At the same time, you can like they were still above five hundred at home last year because <laughs> that's, they will always have that is it is still an advantage in that sense. But in, until they can figure out how to be even competent on the road,
1: let alone pitching at home, that's just they're going to stink. People always talk about what if Barry Bonds had played in Coors? Well, I want to know what if the Guardians' pitching development system played in Coors? <laughs>
2: exactly. Far more interesting. Uh, Barometer, speaking of Barry Bonds, Barometer Bonds, Ezekiel Tovar, their 21-year-old shortstop, I believe, who appears to be opening the season with the team. One of the top, you know, 50 prospects in baseball. Maybe hasn't gotten necessarily the hype because the numbers he's put up in the minors have been merely pretty good and not like, oh my God, you have to know about this guy. At the same time, like 21-year-old shortstop, like that is someone that if he is immediately a good player... That's a great building block. Like that is a very real piece to to, to kind of have
1: and would be huge for them yeah, moving forward on offense. He's younger than Anthony Volpe, but he wears purple. So you've never heard his name. Exactly.
2: Uh 65 and a half. I think I'm still gonna go over. Like, I just feel like the Rockies goof their way to 70 wins most season anyway, most seasons anyway, even when they super duper suck. So I know that seems insane. I think they're projected for basically the worst team, but you're taking the
1: under here. I don't think they're the worst team. I think, um, eh, I don't think they're the worst team. So they've never lost 100 games. Like, think okay. about that. Well, they're about <laughs> to. So okay. I will take okay, down so, on Okay,
2: So this is the year that they finally lose 100 games. All right. Uh, that is the Rockies. Um, we are now going to move on to the Arizona Diamondbacks. And because we find the Snakes fascinating, we decided to bring in a special guest for this conversation. So let's kick it to our conversation with D-Bags Beat reporter Nick Picoro of the Arizona Republic. Nick, welcome to the show. Hey, guys.
0: Thanks for having me.
2: So by extension, you know, for each division preview, we wanted to bring in a special guest to talk about who we believe is the most interesting team in the division. And we have deemed the Snakes of Arizona to be that team. First of all, I mean, just for the job, is is that is that dumb? Like, I know you cover this team every day, but like, are we crazy? Are you also even relative to an average Diamondback season, like kind of interested in what this is going to look like?
0: Oh, yeah, no, I'm super into it. I'm I'm very curious to see what happens. Is that dumb, though? I don't man, the Dodgers are, are, are like crazy interesting too. I mean, I, I sort of, I, I don't know like what went into your decision here, but like, I would imagine you're kind of like, ah, we've talked about the Dodgers like forever and ever, like, let's do something new. But like, I don't know, man, looking at the Dodgers from afar, I am like really into like, I, I I don't, I have no idea how it's going to go there. Right. I mean, they could win like 105 or or they could win like 90 and like, barely squeak into the postseason, right? I, I don't yeah. know. I, I just, I'm very curious to see how that turns out. And especially, you know, talking to
1: people who cover the Dodgers for so long, how every year is just the same machine. And now for the first time in a long time, it does feel a little bit different there. Uh, what happened in 2022? Give me a brief synopsis of the Arizona Diamondbacks season last year.
0: Yeah. Um, I guess they were, they were not really a lot of fun to watch for the first few months, um, and then they uh, they traded David Peralta. They brought up Jake McCarthy. Um, I kind of felt like that was the the move that kind of changed their fortune in a way. Um, and then they started playing this much more interesting brand and style of baseball late in the year. They bring up Corbin Carroll. And then I think the thing that like really got everyone like enthused about next season. I mean, we all knew Corbin Carroll was going to be a big part of it. But like, I think the thing that, that got everybody super pumped was when they brought up Nelson and Jamison and those guys just dominated in, in their seven starts combined. And it just, it really like changed the whole like perception of the, of the pitching uh, situation in the organization. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, wait a second. These guys can post like five or six or seven ERAs or whatever it was in Reno and come up and just shove in the big leagues. And Brandon Fott has like a sub four ERA in Reno. Like, how good is this guy going to be? And Tommy Henry came up and threw pretty well, too. But, like, really those other two guys just dominating the way they did just infused this, this like, optimism heading into next year. We're
1: going to get to the pitchers a little bit in a second. Um, That'll be one of our main questions for you. But let's just kind of run through the winter quickly, Jordan. On the way in, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Gabriel Moreno in the trade for Dalton Varsho. Jordan Luplo out the door. How do they replace him? Well, they're going to try... Evan Longoria signed. Kyle Lewis signed as a bounce back candidate. Andrew Chafin, All Roads return to Chase Field for him. And Miguel Castro, the wiry, spindly human scarecrow, will be pitching out of their bullpen. Just quickly running through their starting lineup for this. Oh, go ahead. Yes, Scott McGuff. Scott McGuff. Scott McGuff, McGuff baby. Scott, baby. Yeah, I, Scott don't, McGuff.
0: Yeah. Scott McGuff. Don't forget about him. Anyway, go on lineup.
1: Well, it's funny you say that because Scott McGuff's. Grandma listens to the podcast. She emails us all the time. No, that's a lie. Uh, Starting lineup for the Diamondbacks, Gabriel Moreno behind the plate. Christian Walker at first base, second base, Cattell Marte. Shortstop is Nick Ahmed. Josh Rojas at third. The outfield will probably be, I mean, they could all play center field, probably, but I imagine it'll be Alec Thomas there to start with Corbin Carroll and McCarthy in the corners. And the DH will be Lourdes Gurriel. In the rotation, at least to start the year, Zach Gallen, Merrill Kelly, can he bounce back from letting his country down? Madison Bumgarner, Ryan Nelson, and Zach Davies with Dre Jameson, who you mentioned before, starting the season in the bullpen. An iffy bullpen that will be led by 2022 All-Star Joe Mantiply, the aforementioned McGuff, Andrew Chafin, Miguel Castro, and friend of the show, not really, Kevin Ginkle. Did I miss anything? Am I off base on
0: anything there? No, I, I think that's all about right. I mean, I guess like, I, I guess that it it we like Alec Thomas could see himself on the bench a little bit more often than maybe we would have thought coming into the coming into spring, because like the way that Kyle Lewis has swung it makes you think that Gary ends up in the left and Lewis at DH a little bit more than you would have thought, which probably forces not not that he can't play center field, like you said, but it probably moves Carroll to from left to center a little bit more often than I would have anticipated coming into the spring.
2: So let's, again, I think the pitching is the most fascinating and maybe the most important part of, of their success this season. But let's, let's stick to the offense because we look at this team and Carroll has all this hype and Christian Walker just had an unbelievable season that nobody cared about. And then Ketel Marte has kind of been the standard. Who is the best hitter on this team? Who, who would you say right now is their best position player?
0: probably the, I mean, the safest bet is Christian Walker. Um, I, I think like you mentioned how awesome his year was like, and that's a, that's like looking at his baseball reference page. But like, if you look at the, the batted ball stuff, I mean, the first half of the year, he, he didn't really put up very good numbers from a results standpoint, but he was just destroying balls. So I mean, I I guess it kind of swung a little bit in the second half where he started getting a little bit more fortunate and wasn't hitting balls quite as hard. But like I, I don't think I'd be too too surprised if we look up and he hits two eighty with with 30 homers this year. You know, I I think there's more like batting average in there for him. Just the man, I mean it's it's kind of crazy because I I I don't think people have paid attention nor nor should they have right i mean it's the diamondbacks last few years but like this guy has awesome at bats all the time like all the time um so yeah i think that's probably the answer like but i mean if you watch corbin carroll's spring like dude i mean he just hits balls hard he (laughs) runs so much fun to watch run um he'd be really good uh you never really know right Till they do it uh but like um i don't think i've felt even with Goldschmidt, like back when he was a rookie, like there was so little support in the scouting community that I was like, I very much needed to be won over. Um, but like, I don't think I felt this confident about a young player coming up to the big leagues um, and Carol, like, you know, he did do it for what hundred of bats or something last year, but he never like felt like he got going. Um, he put up pretty good numbers last year and it like he, he was like, they wanted to make sure he stayed eligible. Uh, for the rookie of the year. So he was like, play a game, sit a couple, play a couple, sit again. Like he never really got on a roll uh, and he had a 800 something OPS. Um, so <laughs> I don't know, dude. I mean, he he could he could have a, a really huge year.
1: He also like hasn't
0: played that much
1: baseball because That's of all true. the time he missed. He, he made it up to the big leagues as a 21 year old with what, under 150 career minor league games?
0: Yeah, I, th- I think he has like 170 something okay. pro games now, um, <laughs> which is just like I mean, I was asking Hazen that when they did the extension, just like how wild is that? You're you're extending a dude for 111 million dollars, and he hasn't he's barely played like a full season of any level worth of baseball, and you're that confident? Like that just shows you how good he is, right? Just yeah. how I, I, I don't I mean, and I don't I don't even think that extension is like that's uh, not that crazy, but like, you know, it, it was just, it's, it's so unusual.
1: 142 games in the minor leagues over three seasons, 32 in the bigs and that short stint at the end of last year, let's pivot to the pitching now. And the question that I have for you, how much leash will be given to the Madison bum Garner, Zach Davies duo? Before the front office pulls the plug or phantom ILs someone or trades someone away and then replaces those guys with Dre Jameson, who's starting the year in the bullpen and Brandon Fott, who is starting the year in AAA.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's probably going to be like a sliding scale on an on with a number of different factors um, being considered, because uh, a couple of years ago, this organization had four fifths of its rotation on the injured list at the same time. Um, and that's a big reason why they lost 110 games. So I think that there's a little bit like a, a little bit of, of like built in, like, you know, I, I just think everybody is still just a little bit afraid of having that sort of thing happen. So like, I think that for either of those guys to have them pull the plug on them in April, um they would have to be really bad um and then also they would have to feel really good about not just fought and Henry and Jamison's chances but also like okay how is Bryce Jarvis throwing how is Blake Walston looking how does Peter Solomon look like all these guys that could be their depth options are gonna have to look good once you get past though that like that stretch um, once you get more into the the meat of the season, um, and you've gotten past that point of the year where like starting pitching typically gets hurt. Right. And you can kind of feel a little bit better about this guy taking the ball every five days, the rest of the way. Uh, then I, 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 yeah, I mean, look, they're trying to win this year. Um, right. if i looks the way that he looked in the last two months, two and a half months of the season, like that's not competitive, you know, he's looked a little better this spring but you can't give that guy the ball every five days um, if you're trying to get to the playoffs. Like Bungarner was sort of, I guess, like shielded the last couple of years by the fact that they were never playing meaningful games. There was a, a, like a, I don't know, 48-hour period last August or so. I remember we went into San Diego and these guys were like red hot. And like, I mean, it wasn't really that they were in the wild card hunt, but that they were just close enough that you could sort of start saying like, well, okay, what happens if, you know? And I kind of wondered like, okay, do they have to make a decision now on Bumgarner? Like, but then they lost a couple of games and they were back to being like seven games out and they were never over 500. So it wasn't ever that close, but like, you know, that's the kind of decision they're going to have to make this year. In his last 10 starts for me, this is maybe for
1: people who stopped watching baseball in 2014, and now you're just tuning back in to listen to the Diamondbacks in 2023. (laughs) First of all, interesting approach. But Madison Bumgarner last year in his last 10 starts, 54 innings, 7.12 ERA. Like you said, unstartable, right? 34 strikeouts in 54 innings, 9.57 OPS
0: against. Now, want?
1: Yeah. Well, and also, I have to
2: imagine for a team like this, and this is a bigger question. I mean, he's their highest paid player by a large degree. And I have to imagine that's another thing where maybe some owners would be quicker to to cut bait. Um, but yeah, how do you, do you demote him? Do you like, who knows what, what you do with him? But I don't know how much that's going to factor into the decision one way or the other, but that's also a good transition to Unless you have any thoughts on that element specifically, it's a good transition to our last question, which is something you just referred to, which is that the Diamondbacks are trying to be good this year. And so you, you telling us that is maybe a hint to this question, but is how good do they really think that they are? Because some of the moves that they've made and, and being aggressive and calling up some of these pitchers and some of these hitters suggest that they do feel like they're opening a window. At the same time, you say, okay, well, you traded away Varsho you did this, you, you, you've committed to Zach Davies as part of your rotation again, when you might have other better options, maybe not, uh, how good do they think they are? Or is this more about like, we want to be
0: competent this year. And then the window is opening. Well, I, I think they, I think they want to have as many pieces in place in case the window does open right now. So like, I think, I think Davies like kind of can, can work in both directions in that argument. Right. Um, just, just to buy them some security and, and kind of raise the the floor a little bit, um, in a sense, but like, I mean, back to like the, you know, the, the main part of your question, like, I think they're, they're kind of not sure, you know, I mean, they have so many young players it, and guys arrive on different schedules and, you know, some need 150 at bats, some need, you know, 800 at bats to get comfortable. So, I I think they're hoping that some of these guys are on the shorter end, and that you know they kind of keep getting better as the year goes along, and and that they look up in in August and and they're right there. Um, I don't know it's it's hard to it's hard to like <sighs> I, I, like as the as a beat writer you're like trained to like focus in on the the like how it's going to go terrible right? So like you can <laughs> you can sort of like. I don't know. Kyle Lewis is going to get hurt again. The young guys are going to struggle. Um, You know, the, the guys that that pitched so well in the second half last year were way over their heads. Um, You know, that was the best year that Merrill Kelly will ever have. Christian Walker is never going to be able to do that. Um, You know, Ahmed is going to get hurt again and Perdomo is going to hit like he did last year. You know, all, all those, like, you can just sort of like see all these ways that it goes wrong, but like, I don't know, man. I mean, Corbin Carroll is looks awesome. <laughs> Gabriel Moreno <laughs> looks awesome. Um, yeah, Jake yeah. McCarthy is like, totally like Jake McCarthy and Josh Rojas are like perfectly positioned to just dominate on the base paths and take full advantage of these new rules. Um, like Jameson and Nelson have stuff. Brandon Fought looks really good. Like that guy is that guy's. Just, I, I I don't know what else you would really need to see to feel like really good about, and again, it's young starter, so who knows, but to feel really good about giving him the ball. Did you have some, Did you something? Well, it,
2: it just on FOD, like it almost feels like had Jameson and Nelson not did what they did last year, he could have just won the job this spring. Oh, 100%. Right, because it just feels like had we not seen that from them, they would have all roughly been coming into the spring in sort of the same spot with Fott maybe the best of the bunch in terms of what he had already performed at Reno. And instead, because of how good they looked, were, I understandably want to give Jameson and Nelson
0: kind of the first crack at it.
2: But it is interesting because Fott seems, is clearly I think the most celebrated at this point, you know, by prospect,
0: you know. Yes, I, he had, he had, like, I, I don't think you could really debate that he had the best spring of those three guys. I mean, he, he threw the ball better than I mean, he, he may have had the best, I don't know. I guess there's, you can play that game where like spot exited in the first inning of a start and came back out for the second, you know, and if all those runs have scored, you know, how different would the, whatever. Um, but like, as far as, as, as far as like pitch quality stuff, like getting swings and misses, um, you know, aggressiveness, just kind of seemingly just like ready to step in and be great. Um, I, I just think he's, I just think he looks like he checks all the boxes. Um, and, and yeah, I look, I think you're exactly right. Like those guys, the other two are just ahead of him You know, mm-hmm. they, they're already on the 40. They've already pitched great in the majors. Like that should count for something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, to the extent that it was a competition, like, uh, yeah, I mean, it thought was, thought was, he kind of needed things to break his way. Right. And they, mm-hmm. they, like those guys threw well enough and. Had good enough stuff that it kind of just had to be them.
2: Uh so let's get to our barometer bonds, our berry bonds for each team. Who will be the the X factor, the determining player on this team that will determine whether, oh, oh, diamondbacks? Uh-oh, watch out. Here they are. It's August, you know, 17th, and they're two back of the third in a wildcard card spot or Maybe, hopefully not as bad as 21, but it's like, ah, oh, this did not go as we expected. Um, who's the one player? We have one in mind that I want to ask about, but who is one player that you feel like will have a a huge impact on on how good this team can be? I
0: mean... Corbin Carroll's the cop out, right?
2: That's not, not the answer. <laughs> I mean, or, it's a good answer, but we, I feel like we have already sort because of because, like, known I it.
1: feel like you can pencil. Maybe this is being too presumptuous, but I feel like you could probably pencil in somewhere between three and five WAR for him. Like, yeah. if he's not a three-win player over a full season, like something went wrong, yeah.
0: right? Yeah.
1: Whereas, I, I in my mind, it's like Merrill Kelly.
0: That's a that's a fair one. Yeah, that's a that's totally fair. I. I think, uh, I think that if he is the, like, you know, I mean, pitched like a number two, basically last year, he logged 200 innings, not very many guys do that these days. And that's super valuable for a team. You can make that argument. I, I kind of want to say could I, I just think it's sort of fascinating that, like, I mean, it happened on this podcast. It happens whenever anybody talks about the diamondbacks, like you kind of can construct this narrative of them being awesome and like not talk about Cattell um and like that guy has had the best season uh in the majors of anybody on the roster right um easily he's 20 is he 29 years old right now yeah
2: 29 um
0: <laughs> that's 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 like there's really no reason why he can't still be really good i mean maybe 2019 was the ball right i mean maybe he's more of a of a 15 or 20 home run guy than a 32 home run. Is that what it was in 19? Yeah, 32
2: home. But like 42 doubles last year was a career high, right? Like even though there were some parts of his season that were disappointing, like
1: he had some crazy hot months. Like he was still pretty damn good. In 2019, Acuna hit 41 homers and stole 37 bases and finished behind Cattell (laughs) Marte in the MVP voting.
0: That says something, right? like yeah i i mean he looks better than he did like physically like he's moving around really well that was a big thing last year at at second base he just didn't look like he could play that position anymore and then you kind of wonder what's it going to look like with you no know, shifts and and all that but he he looks a lot better he's i don't know i mean early in camp he did at least he was he was hitting balls hard he went to the wbc and came back and his last several games have not been great um so We'll see. I, I think that's an interesting game. I'm not going to argue with with Merrill, though. I I think that's that that might be the the correct answer.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, our over under, uh, courtesy of whatever sources we get from this, 74 and a half. I know they're projected for. I believe Fangraphs has them around 76, 77. Now, 74 and a half doesn't sound like a very good team, even one that would just you know sniff the wild card. Are you at least optimistic enough to take the over on that? Cause I certainly am.
0: Yeah, I think so. It's a weird, it's a weird time that they have decided to try to start to be good because most teams in baseball have decided to try to be good this year. It seems like, so that does make it a little bit harder. Um, but I mean, like we were saying at the beginning, like I'm not super sold on the entire division. Um, I'm not, uh, I, I and I think like, you know, beyond that, like the, the, more balanced schedule probably plays in their favor right so yeah i th- i think i'd go over
2: jake are we are we feeling confident enough in 75 for the snakes or are you okay yeah you're, you're absolutely
1: you're feeling, feeling absolutely good. confident enough i i just feel like if Bumgarner is really bad and they're in it and the prospect pitching is good enough and what we saw last year gave me confidence to think that some of it or enough of it will, they will give those guys an opportunity. Um, but I, I really do think Bumgarner is the anchor uh, for this team. And the longer he starts <laughs> in a, into the in, year. In, in
2: a bad way. <laughs> yeah. A, a, bad a, anchor. Yeah, yeah.
1: Like a sinking ship anchor. Yes.
2: Yeah. Well, we'll find out. Uh, Nick Pecora, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate all of your D-backs insight. We'll have you on again soon. Thanks, guys.
1: Hey everybody, I'm James Hinchcliffe. And I'm Alexander Rossi, and we're the hosts of Off Track with Hinch and Rossi.
0: As two friends who have a collective 18 years of experience driving an IndyCar and one season of experience on Dancing with the Stars, we know what it takes to be successful on and off the track or dance floor.
1: That's why each week we will give you a peek behind the front curtain and tell you what life is really like for professional IndyCar drivers and second place finishers on dancing television shows.
0: Download Off Track with Hinch and Rossi on Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: We are back here on Baseball Barbacast. Jake Mintz, Jordan Schustman. Thank you to Nick Pocoro for explaining to us how snakes work. But let's move on to the San Francisco Giants, the favorite team of producer Chris. A team that maybe Jordan should play in Iowa, considering it is mid. (laughs) Move to the Midwest, San Francisco Giants. Move to the mid. They put the mid into Midwest because they're in the West. There's a joke there somewhere. I'll let you know if I find it. What happened a year ago to the Jets? Yes. So 2021, they were a
2: mid-team that somehow won 107 games. And last year, in fitting fashion, they came crashing back down to a perfect 81-81. and And in third place, despite not looking that different than the year before, uh, yeah, they were like totally fine. They could not have been more fine. They were not good. They were not bad. That was the Giants. What did they do this winter? Well, they tried to do a lot and ended up doing still a lot, but not in the way that they expected. Out the door from last year's team, of course, our good friend Carlos Rodan. Evan Longoria's stint in San Francisco is over. Brandon Belt's time in San Francisco is over. Tommy LaStella, I know they will miss him. Those guys are gone. Who's in? Oh, Carlos Correa. Oh, Aaron Judge. Oh, eh, so close. Well, it's okay. They got some dudes who love to spend time on the IL, but also rake when they're not. That's Michael Conforto and Mitch Haniger in the outfield. They brought in Roberto Perez to play catcher in case Joey Bart stinks. And then in the rotation, uh, they replaced Carlos with a combination of Ross Stripling and Sean Mania. I actually like those moves. And then of
1: course they added Tyler Rogers' twin brother Taylor Rogers for the bullpen. Behind the dish for the Giants, Joey Bart, former top prospect, number two overall pick, who kind of a critical year for him. He'll be backed up by Roberto Perez and Austin Wins, friend of the show. First base, God, this team is so weird. Lamont Wade, Wilmer Flores, some J.D. Davis. Second base, mostly Tyro Estrada. Shortstop, mostly Brandon Crawford. Third base, mostly David Villar with some Davis and Flores sprinkled in. In the outfield, Michael Conforto, Mitch Hanniger, Mike Yastrzemski with Jock Peterson, hopefully spending the bulk of the time at designated hitter in the rotation, it's a very adult group. Logan Webb is the baby here, which is interesting considering he's been the best pitcher over the last couple of years. Behind him, Alex Cobb, Anthony DeSclafani, Alex Wood, Ross Stripling, Sean Manaya, and maybe even a little bit of six foot eleven Sean Jelly. That's right, six foot eleven Sean Jelly. The bullpen. Camilo Duvall, who absolutely rules and is an incredible watch if you've never had the opportunity. Taylor Rogers and Tyler Rogers. They're twins. People will be talking about that quite a bit. Those are your San Francisco Giants. But let's begin in the winter. Jordan, did they have the best bad offseason ever?
2: Um, Yeah, I
1: guess. I, I think, right. Because I some people call it
2: like a, a disaster. Right, not just a bad off season. Like some people referring to this Giants off season as one of the worst we've seen in some time, just because of the expectations and the hopes and the dreams to land someone at the top of the
1: market. Even it like wasn't, Co- no, 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 it yeah. wasn't just the expectations; it yeah. was the reality. Yeah, okay, well, it's well, and, one thing and, to be like a Mariners fan or a you know an. I'm trying to think of another example of like a White Sox fan maybe where it's like, oh, maybe we'll sign a big free agent, and then you don't. The Giants, twice, okay? Twice, two separate times. If you were on your phone, you got a notification, Giants signed the big free agent, and then they ended up with neither of them, okay? Neither Crayon nor John. Twice, it happened. It was not expectation. It was brief reality. But even if you let them slide on those two,
2: you know, Steven Sanga or Nimmo like there were other even top guys that they still were not able to land now we, we don't know how aggressive they were with those I think Nimmo we do, we do know but they weren't necessarily as aggressive as for these other guys at the same time you you wake up here it's almost opening day did they get better compared
1: to last year? I think
2: yes. I think they did. I think they improved their baseball team. Which God, I would hope so, considering how much money they did ultimately spend and how much money they had to spend. Uh, so I, I, so sure, is it the best
1: bat off season? It's probably pretty close to one. Improving this team, I think it has less to do with who's on the way in or on the way out, and more about simply improving the defense. This. Team defense was one of the worst team defenses statistically that we've seen over the last 10 years. Just an abysmal, abysmal showing from this group. Yeah. Do we have any faith, any reason to think that it will improve in 2023?
2: Defense-wise, I mean, there there's not they didn't add stellar defenders like Mitch Haniger. I love the guy. He is not an impact defender. Conforto is fine at best. Right. And like, I guess Yaz is like pretty good in center. I guess they could have Austin Slater if they want to move, you know, Conforto or Haniger to DH. But unless Brandon Crawford is suddenly getting back to whatever 3D war, like I don't, and unless David VR is way better than I realized, <laughs> then no, I do not see this team suddenly having a great defense. Honestly, their best chance at a great defense is probably having Roberto Perez behind the dish <laughs> combining with the pitchers. You know, like that—that yeah. that is something that would maybe be an upgrade over what they had a year ago. But other than that, no, I don't see it really much better at all. So I have a
1: little bit more faith than you for this defense. They had a lot of weird injuries last year that forced some players into positions they don't play a lot. Mm-hmm. Jock Peterson played a hundred and two games in left field. He is one of the worst defenders in the entire league. Darren Ruff spent a lot of time at first base and left field. He is a horrible defender. Your mean Mercedes played eight very memorable games on left and four very memorable games at first. That's
2: so funny. those.
1: I understand that's not a lot. But these games add up when you're pushing guys out of position due to injury. That, if they can stay healthier and simply run out a below average defense, not even an elite, you know, St. Louis Cardinals defense, just a regular med defense, they will pick up wins that way. Yeah. If they perform the same they did a year ago, I mean, you say that's not a lot. I, that that many games of
2: your mean in the field is definitely a lot of games. Um, yeah. I. But then the bigger question is like now the Giants. We we can joke about how mid they are, but how how what does it even look like? Like paint a picture. You know, we talk about paint a picture of the Astros losing the division. Paint a picture of of the Giants being up there with the Dodgers and Padres. Now we did. You're gonna say we just saw it in 21 when we didn't exactly. think we would. Um, and I think that's a. That's that, yeah. That's that's a pretty basic sense, right? This team is not bad. I'm looking at this team and I can see them winning. Even 90 games, I can see them winning 90 games, right? Um, it's going to have to come in. Ten- what was so amazing about the 21 team is that it, it the Dodgers were amazing. It's not like it was a combination of we're playing to our 100th percentile and these other teams are choking, or at least the Dodgers weren't choking. It, they were just as good and they somehow matched them. That's going to be required, I think, even more this season for the Dodgers and Padres to really fall back.
1: This team could win a wild card. Easy. Easy could win a wild card. I don't think they will. I'd probably bet against it, but they are totally, like, I guess the the, the way the Giants continue to s- sustain themselves against the Dodgers and the Padres is to build an 83-win team every year and hope that every other season, a bunch of things go right and a bunch of guys kind of burst and 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 kind of pop, and that 83 turns into 92. One season it turned into 107. God damn it. You know, they do need to spend money to get a star. There really isn't anybody like that except for Shohei Otani on the market next year. But it's clear that they're gonna they're willing to spend the dough. Like they did it twice. They went for it twice. We know that. So I actually have some faith in the Giants. I do think a bit of shine has fallen off. GM Farhan Zaidi, who after 21 was hailed as, you know, the great savior of, of baseball analytics, 2022 showed that there are limits to that. And I think that he will fall somewhere in the middle of those two extremes. I agree. Our barometer bonds is one more quick thing on Farhan. Yeah. If I was starting a team tomorrow, I would pick him to run it. Just saying. Yeah. He's still, still your pick.
2: Yeah. No, I, I, you know, last year, we maybe should not have been as surprised by the by the regression to that degree. Like that, that it looked like an 81 win team, and that's what it was. Uh, our barometer bonds is really the whole outfield, just because of how volatile Conforto and Hanegar are health wise. But I, I was saying last year before he suddenly was going to be out for the whole season, I really feel like he's pretty underrated. Like he he is one of the safer like he. You look at his his track record, one of those guys that has never been a bad hitter. Like he had you know a, a run of of all-star and then back down to more you know 120 OPS plus but Michael Conforto has been been really good you know and or at least average in a way that is a very valuable player again, you're not getting a ton of uh, defensive value there, but i'm I'm pretty bullish on him. Hanniger is, <laughs> I mean, he's one of my favorite players. I'm rooting so hard for him. Of course, he gets to go home. He, he truly, like, he's actually from a lot closer than Aaron Judge was uh, to the Giants. And so I'm excited for him to get to play uh, back home. But I, 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 he's already hurt. So
1: it's like I just don't really know how much I'm counting on him. Aaron Judge cannot take public transportation from his house to the Giants stadium. I believe Mitch Hanniger can't. <laughs> the over-under here is 81 and a half. I will take the over. How do you feel?
2: Yeah, I'll take the slight over as well. Uh, but but this is another one where, you know, who knows with injuries? And injuries, again, this is not a team with particularly awesome depth. As we saw last year, I think that is still kind of true, even with some interesting prospects arriving in double-A and whatnot. All right, let's move on to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Jake Mitz. They are projected the Dodgers. You know the Dodgers, right? They were the Brooklyn games Dodgers.
1: Yeah. The Brooklyn Dodgers, yes.
2: Yeah. Fangrass playoff odds has them at 88 wins. 88 wins for the Dodgers, who won oh, literally every time I, I see it. I'm like, that didn't actually happen. 111 dub skis a year ago, which is just, just crazy. By the way, their Pythag was actually better than that. <laughs> their Pythag had of 116 wins. Uh, yeah, it was one of the best teams we have ever seen. But it's a very different team. It's a very different team, Jake. They also had kind of a... I mean, I think there are some Dodgers fans that also feel like it was one of the worst off-seasons that they've ever seen. And why is that? Well, Trey Turner, you might have seen him homering every 25 minutes during the WBC. He is no longer on the team. He is no longer their shortstop. Uh, or their second baseman. Tyler Anderson and Andrew Heaney, big parts of their rotation last year, are gone. They wife swapped, or sorry, DH swapped Justin Turner for J.D. Martinez. Cody Bellinger, his time in L.A., is gone. Craig Kimbrell, what a fun experience he was. He's gone. Evan Rios is gone. And, of course, Trevor Bauer is in Japan. Who comes who play, in? Who, oh. who he played for? Who he played for. David Peralta is now on the Dodgers. David Peralta's on the Dodgers. Cool. Miguel Rojas. He'll be playing shortstop after the Gavin Lux injury. Jason Hayward. Wow. He's actually going to be on the team. Noah Syndergaard. And, of course, a reinvigorated, surely, Shelby
1: Miller. Quick Shelby Miller thing. You remember the time when we first started, like, early on in Suspect's Family Barbecue history? Shelby Miller followed us on Twitter. We weren't sure why. And then I got really drunk one night freshman year of college and DM'd Shelby Miller a bunch of stuff. And he never responded. And we never talked to him I think
2: he's since deleted his Twitter, um, which suggests
1: to me that, like, you kind of rattled him. Yeah, this is good advice for any kids listening out there. If you start a baseball Twitter account with your friend from high school and you get drunk one night in college, don't DM players.
2: Not go. not worth it. It's they probably won't respond. And the worst case scenario, they delete it, and then yeah. their career goes off the rails and then they end up on the Dodgers. So
1: right. be careful. I can't speak from experience. It happened to a friend of mine. <laughs> Let's move on to what this Dodger team is actually going to look like
2: in 2023. Behind the dish, one of the best catchers in all of the land. It is Mr. Will Smith. First base, Frederick. Freeman, he's pretty good. Second base, Miguel Vargas, perhaps rookie. Okay, sure. Shortstop, Miguel Rojas, perhaps not a rookie, not plan A, but he will be playing shortstop. Still a Miguel. Still a Miguel. Third base, Max Muncie. Ooh, what an interesting player for this season. Left field, David Peralta, probably with a little Chris Taylor mixed in. Maybe we get a little James Outman. Uh, Center field, Trace Thompson, incredible career revival last year. Right field, Mookie Betts, ever heard of him, DH. As I mentioned, the new Justin Turner, Mr. J.D. Martinez. Rotation, Julio Arias will start on opening day. Dustin May and his crazy hair is back and better than ever. Clayton Kershaw is still pitching. How many innings? Who knows? Noah Syndergaard's on the Dodgers now. The fifth spot out of camp, looking like Ryan Pepio uh, with a couple guys, hopefully back soon, most notably Tony Gonsolin who is starting the year on the I.L., but I I don't believe he will be out for too long.
1: First topic that I would like to discuss. The Dodgers offseason was so not Dodgers. They did not really do a whole lot, and they entered this season with more question marks than they have in probably a decade, I would say. Now, the reasons behind that offseason, I guess we could talk about it, for a while, how much of it is them wanting to trust young guys? How much of it is wanting to just regular cheapness? How much do they want to change the energy? How much of it was the Trevor Bauer money? How much of it is saving up for Otani? We have to, you know, truth serum Andrew Friedman to really learn that. What I'm interested in as it relates to the offseason is like, this is the full test of the Dodgers magic thing, right? Mm-hmm. The Dodgers have received so much acclaim for being such an incredible player development organization and for doing all the little things at the edges right, in addition to having all the money and the resources and all the free agents. This is the year where that really gets put to the test because, you know, last season, most of that team, I guess the bullpen is an exception, but like most of the lineup last year was just really good, famous baseball players, Mm -hmm. you know, Trey Turner, Max Muncie. Freddie Freeman, Will Smith. I know they get credit for developing Will Smith. Mookie Betts, who they traded for. You know, they had to uh, spend prospect capital to acquire some of those guys. But this is the year where we really see how much does it actually work. But it's a combination of that and the veterans, right? It's a combination of,
2: yes, okay, if you believe in Miguel Vargas and you believe in James Outman and you believe in Michael Bush and these guys, then you have to be right about them. But also... You are truly relying on Drace Thompson again, you know, out the gate. You're truly relying on a 36-year-old, almost 36-year-old David Peralta and Jason Hayward, whatever is left with him, you know, not to mention, you know, giving your four-starter spot to Syndergaard. So there, it's it's kind of both levels of it. And, and again, everything they've showed us sees that they're going to get most of these things, right? Yeah. At the same time, like they don't have that margin for error now because the Padres are so loaded that it's – I trust that it's, they're still going to be an awesome team. I think 88 wins is, is just insane (laughs) for, for a projection. Uh, I'll I'll smash the over on that. We'll get to the over under as much higher in a second, but, uh, I still feel like you're totally right. Like they, they, this is the, the test where they do not, they cannot just fall back and be like, Oh, well it's fine. We
1: still have like four of the best players in the league. So we're, we're chilling. This is like when Jordan got to college and actually had to do his homework. Let's start with some of the veteran slash journeyman players. Every year, the Dodgers sprinkle their magic pixie dust on an old guy you haven't thought about in a couple of years, and they turn into an all-star level player. It happened with Trace Thompson last year, Evan Phillips, you know, Yency Almonte. They do it every year. Here's this year's group. I want you to pick a guy from this group, Jordan. David Peralta, Miguel Rojas, Jason Hayward. Alex Reyes, Luke Williams, Steven Duggar, Yusniel Diaz, Wander Suero, Noah Syndergaard. Which of those guys puts up like three and a half to four war?
2: I'm pretty bullish on Peralta, honestly. He's someone, especially when you saw the kinds of tweaks he was making last year were suddenly... He was lifting the ball like crazy. And I know it had mixed results, but part of me feels like that is something. It's not like the Dodgers were not familiar with David Peralta. I mean, they've been playing him, you know, multiple times a year for the last decade. And I just feel like even though after the trade with the Rays, it did not actually go that well, he's been one of my favorite players for a long time. And I trust that they see something in him that is is able to be unlocked. Even if it isn't a platoon role, I think that could maximize it even more. Cause he was playing every day in Arizona. And I think if they can they can give him the matchups and the right tweaks where I think he could easily have like a you know a I guess like his career best OPS plus is 137 in his
1: second year. I could see something yeah like the 120, 130 range. Give me the Jason Hayward full renaissance. That's what I'm rooting for. My dark horse here is Luke Williams, who you probably don't know a lot about, but he was a huge member of the Team USA group in the Olympics, right? To help – or no, mm. to help send USA to the Olympics on the national team. He on the Giants, on the Phillies. I'll, I'll throw some money in the in the Luke Williams pot. Young players, yeah. we have – Well, this- I was just going to say like we, the playing time is very unclear for Hayward
2: right. and obviously for someone like Luke Williams, but uh, but yes, that's – I'm not counting any of these
1: guys out. Alex Reyes feels like a, you know, 139 ERA plus guaranteed whenever he's healthy and pitching on the mound. Young players, James Altman, uh, Miguel Vargas, Ryan Pepio, uh, Michael Bush, Andy Pajes, Gavin Stone. Which of these guys do you have the most faith in immediately establishing themselves as a Dodger?
2: I am like the highest on Michael Bush and the lowest on Miguel Vargas. Clearly Vargas is going to get the first crack at it. And so it's possible that he's good enough that the ability to get Bush in the lineup this season is going to be harder. Um, Outman too, you know, these guys are on the team already. But I think you got to look at those pitchers and Miller and Stone as ones that could come up and take a job much faster. I think the leash on Pepio is probably going to be um a little bit quick just shorter just because of how good Miller and Stone are and already were last season like Stone had arguably the best statistical season in minor league baseball la- last year this side of Andrew Painter and he's just not <laughs> I, th- I like I saw Dodgers fans that I whose opinions I trust were like Gavin Stone should be the fifth starter right now and even above Bobby Miller which is really saying something so I just think Pepio's grasp on that let alone <laughs> like Kershaw is going to miss time at some point this year. And like that's there are going to be opportunities. There are going to be opportunities. So that's kind of where I'm at on, on those guys. I think the ceiling with those guys is way bigger. Like I could, I could totally imagine one of those guys starting a
1: postseason game in a way that the other hitters, it's just going to be kind of an amalgamation of role players. Barometer Bonds. We have the name Max Muncie written down here, and you can talk about him in a second, Jordan. But I'm actually going to select Chris Taylor. Mm. Chris Taylor before last season. Signed, and he went to free agency and re-upped with the Dodgers for, I believe, four years. He is kind of the pride and joy of their magic uh, player development, hitting development system. And then last year, he absolutely sucked. He had an 86 OPS plus. He slashed 221, 304, 373. He had only 10 home runs. He was just bad. I guess he was bad at a lot of different positions, but he was still just bad. If he's just bad, that's just bad.
2: Yeah. And the difference for me is that Chris Taylor was bad the whole time. He was bad in the first half. He was bad in the second half. He actually was worse in the second half. Whereas Muncie, while the overall line looks troublesome, right? 713 OPS. He, he was heating up. Like he had, you know, it was, there were times last season where it was like, okay, we're starting to see Max Muncy look like Max Muncy, well over 800 OPS in the second half, um, or at least down like, you know, the last month or so. So I am much more bullish on Muncy, and I also think that his ceiling is always higher than Taylor anyway. So that's why I think he's more important for them here, especially since he's going to be more in the middle of the lineup than the bottom but I agree like Taylor was a big bet to, to to retain him and if he's just like not a useful player anymore no matter how many positions he's playing that's a pretty that's a pretty big deal.
1: Over under, what's the
2: number? So the number that I, I could find was 96 and a half, which is amazing, <laughs> right? And but also like they won 111 games last year. Like they won 111 games last year. Like Trey Turner is amazing. He like they lost a lot of guys. Did they lose <laughs> Did they lose that many guys? I mean, maybe. Uh, I'll take the slight under, but I still feel pretty good about close to this.
1: I Honestly. will take the under. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Uh, now, all of this is still kind of shocking that we are talking about the Dodgers fourth and not fifth. That is a new reality that we have. And that is because of the San Diego Padres. But before we talk pods, we are going to take a quick break from this pod. and be back in just a moment.
1: Negro Leagues Baseball Museum President Bob Kendrick hosts the SiriusXM original podcast, Black Diamonds. The Negro Leagues didn't care what color you were, and they didn't care what gender you were. Can you play? Hear stories of the leagues and legends that shaped sport, culture, and society.
2: That's why the museum is so important. It's like, we are never going to forget you.
1: Episodes of the award-winning Black Diamonds are now available wherever you get your podcasts.
2: We're not talking about balls and strikes. We're talking about your life. And we're back here at the end of the NL West Preview Baseball Barbacast. It's time to talk about the San Diego Padres. Oh, my goodness. The team that used to be the least relevant team in baseball is now arguably the most. And they come into the season with sky-high expectations. What happened a year ago? They won 89 games. That doesn't sound so great. What's What's so amazing about winning 89 games? Well, went into New York, embarrassed the Mets, went to the DS and slayed the proverbial dragon and the Dodgers. And they went to the Phillies and got kind of steamrolled. Bryce Harper, swing of his life, etc., etc. Padres season over. So they go into the winter and AJ Preller, you know, AJ Preller, he's a pretty chill guy. He doesn't like to make any sort of extreme choices or big splashy signings. He kind of likes to do stuff. On the margins. Just kidding. Not. Tried to sign everybody. Was just walking around with million dollar bills with Peter Sidler's money, saying, "Hey, will you take this? Will you take this? Will you take this? Will you take this?" Trey Turner. We'll give you all this money. He's like, eh. he's like, remember we drafted you. He's like, eh, no thanks. Uh, Aaron Judge. Hey, come on over. We'll come check out uh, PECO Park. Maybe we'll change your mind. Uh, no, sorry. Uh, oh, Xander Bogarts. No one wants the Red Sox are lowballing him. Okay. We will very casually give Xander Bogarts what was it an eleven? <laughs> is it an eleven-year deal? Um, uh, Xander Bogarts is now on the Padres, as well as uh, a whole bunch of other famous players, including Nelson Cruz, Matt Carpenter, Michael Waka, and Seth Lugo in the rotation. Uh, out the door, uh, Manaya, Brandon Drury, Josh Bell—all these guys that they kind of added over the last couple of years—and honestly, one of the faces of their team and franchise, Will Myers, no longer on the Padres, as well as their walk-off hero last season, Jorge Alfaro. Jake, this team is crazy loaded, crazy fun. Tell me who will be playing for it.
1: Austinola behind the dish. First base will be Jake Cronenworth. Second base, Hasan Kim, moving over from short, where he was outstanding defensively last year. He's an early favorite for the Gold Glove at second. Very overqualified for there. For that position, Xander Bogarts at short, Manny Machado, who got an enormous extension over the offseason to remain in San Diego for basically the rest of his life. At third base, the outfield, Trent Grisham in center, Juan Soto in left. Eventually, for junior in right, for now, it's David Dahl, which is kind of funny. And then the DH is Matt Carpenter, and I would imagine Nelson Cruz sometimes as well. The rotation Hugh Darvish, Blake Snell, Nick Martinez, Michael Waka, Seth Lugo, as Joe Musgrove and Adrian Morahone start the season on the IL. In the bullpen, Josh Hader, Stephen Wilson, Nabil Krismat, the other Luis Garcia, the one who gave up uh, the uh, home run to – no, was that him? No, it Suarez. It was Suarez. Sorry, I'm <laughs> losing just, my mind. You're tired. It's. Okay. I only watched that video 80 times yesterday as I read <laughs> Gelbs' piece. Uh, and then, obviously, important to, to say, Brent Honeywell Jr., best friend of the show, somehow in this bullpen. He did there it. Are Brent a million- Honeywell Jr. going from not making the A's last
2: year to making the Padres this year is the best. Congrats to Brent. Okay. Where do you Dickness. want to go? I There's so much. There's so much. Uh, so we should probably talk about Fernandez Tatis Jr. Ever heard of him? We've spent plenty of time talking about him on many a podcast in many pieces of content since he has arrived in our baseball lives. Since he was chilling on the White Sox backfields, Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to return on April 20th. Uh, He will be 420 blazing the baseball over the fence in his first at bat. I have no doubt about it. The fact that he's now playing right field is just weird because when I think about the visceral experience of watching Fernando Tatis Jr., it's him doing insane shit at shortstop, right? Which includes, you know, throwing the ball into the stands and just like <laughs> all doing or just all un- unpredictable things. He's both capable of the best shortstop play and the worst shortstop play. That is no longer in the picture, at least for this season. But it's all about him in the box. It's all about him on the field being a part of this team. His offensive numbers are so ridiculous that you almost forget it's like you you remember that he's one of the best players but it's and what it feels like watching him and how fast he is and how high he can jump and and all of, all all about it but the the reality is is the production here was nuts this guy can be truly one of the 3 to 4 best hitters you know, full stop in the league. And if that is true when they come back, then this lineup is going to be unlike really anything we've seen in quite
1: some time. I think that most of the baseball world right now is willing to forgive and forget. I think we have bought into the new Fernando, the mature, thoughtful, not dumb, going to take steroids and lie about it. Uh, ringworm Fernando, okay? My little league kids that I coach, my 9, 10, 11-year-old kids, they're amped about getting to watch Fernando Tatis again. I don't necessarily think that younger ball fans are up in arms about steroids in the same way that maybe we or the generation above us were because they did not live at all through the steroid era, if that makes sense. And so they, they are also able to parse out kind of the moral... Like, differences between something like Mike Clevenger, Trevor Bauer, and Fernando Tatis Jr. I think kids, not my 9, 10, 11-year-olds, but, like, teenagers, teenage ball fans are smart enough to do that. And I think Fernando is fine right now. He seems fine with his teammates, seems fine with the game. That being said, he does another dumb thing, we got problems. Fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, we don't get fooled again, you know. I, like when Cano got popped the first time, right? It was embarrassing and annoying, but what was really bad is when he got popped the second time. And I'm not saying that Fernando's going to get popped again, but I just don't, the ice I think is thinner than we want it to be. Like we're so excited to see him back on a ball field. Yes. Duh. Of course. But if he does something else dumb, then it's a pattern. Then it's a real pattern with. Oh, we're, 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 Kind of past the pat, you know, it's, it's, well, we, just, we that. haven't like, seen him do anything in a year. Yeah. Right. And so time has given us the ability to forget a little bit. I'm all in. I'm not trying to rain on a parade here. I'm just saying it's something to keep in the back of our minds. I will pick him for my NLMVP <laughs> just to show you how worried I actually am. <laughs>
2: 42 home runs in 130 games uh in 2021. I mean he's he just turned 24, right? Like this guy is still so young and still figuring out his uh world. But there's so much else to talk about on this team like when you see this roster and you see the projections like when when Preller's going out and just like Okay, sure. We'll add Walker. Okay, sure. We'll also do that. Remember, they started retaining Nick Martinez and retaining Robert Suarez for these huge deals. And then it's basically bring everybody back. It's not jerks at Profar in that sense. Uh, but yeah, I, at the same time, like, what is this, what is the, what is the flaw here? Like, think about that as, as a compliment, right? Like, what are the problems with this roster? I think is is a fair thing to ask. How can this maybe go a little
1: off the rails? What do you think? Uh, I think it, it is the pitching more so than the lineup. Like, I just think these hitters are going to rake. Last year, they had incredible Musgrove, very good Darvish, up and down Snell. I think it's reasonable if you want to be a Debbie Downer to expect Musgrove to regress a little bit. I think it's totally reasonable to expect you, Darvish, who is uh, 30 almost 37 years old to, at some point, lose a little bit of zip. If that happens, then you're relying on Blake Snell, the most volatile pitcher in the world, and Martinez, Waka, Lugo, and beyond. Now, the reason I have faith in this team and the reason I'm not worried about the pitching is because they have so many of those second-level guys, right, of Martinez, Waka, and Lugo. That they will have enough arms to, in the event of disaster, they'll have enough depth to push past it. Yeah, definitely to survive,
2: but the ceiling could disappear pretty quickly if any of those top guys regress. Because if we're penciling in the seasons Musgrove and and you Darvish just had, then that could end up being a mistake. But I agree with you. I mean, you, you go down not just the ones who are, you know, in the bullpen or on the team right now, but even guys like Jay Groom and, you know, Reese Kinnear. And, like, there's there's lot I think even Julio Tehran I think, is going to stick around in the organization. Like, they're going to have a lot of options there, which I agree with. You know, you could – I think the other one, obvious one to point out is Nelson Cruz and Matt Carpenter could just be toast, Right. And obviously we already thought about that about Cruz last year. And he said, Oh, I got my vision corrected and now I'm feeling good. And Carpenter looked like the best hitter in the world. But how much do we really believe that? So that's the other part is, is putting all your eggs in, in that, you know, DH basket is also maybe a little bit troublesome. At the same time, like the top five in the lineup could be one of the best we've ever seen in baseball. That is a fact. And so that's going to cover up a lot. At the same time, uh, there's, there could be stretches where, you're watching the bottom of this lineup and you're just like praying that somebody could get on so we can get back to the top because when Grisham is bad, he's really bad and Austin Nola has not been a good hitter for quite some time. And so if Carpenter and Cruz start to struggle, the bottom half of this lineup could be, you know, (laughs) close to as bad as the top is going to be good, which is leads us to our last question, which is rank the MVP finishes Bogarts, Soto, Machado, Tatis Jr., Jay Cronenworth. Uh, this is such a fun game. So much of this might just have to do with how the order plays out. First of all, how would you bat them? What would be your preferred batting order? Bob Melvin has had quotes this spring saying that it's basically you could you know pick it out of a hat. I think that's mostly true. If I hope he does that you, live on the broadcast. If it was up to you, what would your batting order be? And then let's pick the MVP finishes in order.
1: Uh, Tatis Soto, Machado Bogarts. I think I agree. I
2: think I would do Bogarts third, Machado fourth. But yes, I think yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, he already hinted at wanting to do Tatis leadoff, so I think that makes a lot more sense. How if would you I rank, rank the, MVPs?
1: the MVP finishes? I'll go Tatis. I'll go Tatis, Soto, Machado, Bogarts. I'll go
2: Soto, Tatis, Bogarts, Machado. I think Machado is another one where possibly a at least a smidge of regression, and Bogarts is the kind of guy where you will get the the bonus of being like, oh no, like they actually did need Bogarts to you know dominate this division for whatever reason, and so I think narrative wise that could help him if he's just as awesome and healthy as he always is. That's the other thing with Bogarts, you know for sure, and Machado, you know for sure they are going to play. All right, let's get to our barometer bonds. I think we debated Trent Grisham here, but Blake Snell feels more important. Blake Snell, the ultimate volatile beast. He is probably one of both the most fun and least fun pitchers to watch because he has some of the best stuff in the world. When he's on, it is probably the best left-handed stuff in the world when you consider how good the off-speed stuff is. And it's, it just drives us crazy because it's like, dude, throw it down the middle. You will get outs. And instead, he just goes to full count after full count after full count. The pitch count goes crazy, and it drives everyone nuts. But my God, is he talented! He is going to be a free agent after the season. He's starting on opening day, and uh, I think he's I think he's awesome. He's you know he's the one the one lefty in this rotation too for now. So I think it's going to be really important for him to to deliver against you know some of the better left-handed lineups in, in the league. And it's, it's he's got to make it happen both both for himself and for the team. He is a huge, huge, huge deal. Over under. 93 and a half. is that right? Yeah, that's again, like if you're Vegas, why would you <laughs> like they're they're begging you to take there? They're betting you to, to bet against the Dodgers, right? Um, I mean, this is, I think a pretty easy over here, but this is where where history starts to starts to spook you a little bit. Uh, What do you, it seems like you like the Padres more than the Dodgers. That's not a hot take. What would you say is the gap here? Do you think it's a sizable uh, difference?
1: Uh, I think it'll be decently close. Okay. But still easy over on the 93.5. I'll take, yeah, I'll take the over on the 93. Yeah.
2: Okay. All right. Uh, That is the San Diego Padres. That is the NL West. We have done it. We have previewed all the baseball teams. The baseball season begins in just over 24 hours from when we are recording this. On Wednesday morning, we will have an opening day special episode with some opening day thoughts as well as our awards and uh, division postseason World Series winning picks. That will be coming out Thursday morning when you wake up. So you can check that out tomorrow. But otherwise, thank you to Jake Mintz for previewing the NL West. With me. Thank you to Chris Tyler. Chris Tyler. Chris Tyler, join us. Uh, Giants, were we too mean, too nice? What do you think? I think you're pretty bang on the money. the the uh, the one factor that you didn't bring up though in this whole discussion is the fact that the Carlton Football Club of the Australian Football League is actually going to be pretty good this year, and so for me personally, you're fine. Uh, it's not going to be as much of a slog to watch the Giants when I have my Australian football team actually look like they're a competent football club for the first time in over 10 years. Oh, Having okay. that there is going to make the for rest of this much much easier to deal with. Like, like you said, we're not going to be bad. We've yeah. had a lot of success over the past 15 true. years. That's true. A couple of That's years ago, that was thing. fun. That's another thing with Giants fans, right? Yeah, It's, you're still, have had way more fun and success than 90% of the other teams. So, if not more than that. So like, You're going to be okay. But I'm glad Carlton is looking strong. That fires me up. You'll keep us posted on that. Thank you You for producing this episode, Chris. We appreciate it. Thank you to Nick Picoro for joining us to talk about the snakes. Uh, Jake, final thoughts before we say goodbye. NL West. Serious XM
1: Podcasts.